Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motor Studio is mobile today in Bloomington, Indiana. Where tonight the Nittany Line basketball team at 6:30 will take on Indiana. Both teams come in at two and two in conference play. Penn State is 12 and 5 overall. Indiana is 9 and 7. So that'll be tonight at 6.30. Looking forward to that. And back into the Sunbury Motors Studio itself coming up tomorrow and the rest of the week. In fact, we'll be in that Sunbury Motors Studio, I think, for the next uh, little bit more than two weeks straight before we have to do the show out at Ohio State later in the month on a Thursday. So, yeah. So we got a lot going on here today. National championship game lived up to its billing last night. It was outstanding. Uh, obviously, the freshman quarterback comes in. Tula does a great job for Alabama. I've heard a lot about, boy, boy, it took a lot of guts to make that move. When you have five national championships in your back pocket, it's not as gutsy as you think. <laughs> if you have none, it's gutsy. Like the old Lee Trevino. What's pressure? Pressure's paying playing a fifty dollar Nassau with ten dollars in your pocket. That's pressure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's got five national titles in the bank. Uh ended up with number six. But again it goes back to what we talked about in the show yesterday. And I was pretty blunt about it yesterday. I felt the biggest weakness that Alabama has is his quarterback. I don't care he's thrown one interception this year. I could care less about that. He bring, he is a liability, for the most part, at that position to them advancing because he didn't throw the ball well enough. Somebody did call yesterday, and they said, well, yeah, but who had a higher completion percentage as a sophomore, Jalen Hurts or Trace McSorley? I'd take McSorley any which way would lose over this guy because McSorley is a great decision-maker and is accurate throwing the football. This guy is not accurate throwing the football, gets bailed out by his wideouts, but he also is not a great decision maker because, okay, I'm going to throw to Ridley, I'm going to throw to Ridley, okay, come on, Calvin, get open, get open. Okay, Calvin's open now, I'm going to throw it. Uh, That's not quarterback play. Now the other kid comes in, I mean, look at the game-winning touchdown pass. He's a true, he's a freshman. A freshman who doesn't have a ton of in-game reps. And he looks the safety off. He looks a fifth-year senior off and then goes left for the game winner. Can't put a price on that. That is really, yeah, that was really impressive. Yeah, but how about the play before, Steve, when he got sacked back at the 41-yard line thinking, oh, man, how are they going to get out of this? Well, he and Fromm both did the same thing. What he and Fromm both did last night is there were moments where they made pure freshman mistakes. No getting around it. But what makes each one of them special is that each time they had the the ability to get out of it. That's what I found that was impressive. I thought the single most 
important play of the game was actually when he first got in there, they had a third and seven, and Georgia had him pinned on the near side of the screen, and he got out of it. And when he got out of it, he swung to the far side, went down that far side, picked up a first down, kept the drive alive, and eventually that led to Alabama's first touchdown. I think if Georgia stops him there, I think it's a different outcome of the game. Because remember, at that point, Georgia's going to get the ball back, more time's going to go off the clock, uh, and it changes a lot of dynamics. But he kept it alive on a, just a great individual play. And uh, He's one of those guys that I think all of us knew about last year. All of us knew about him. That you know they signed him. That that he was a great thrower. Every quarterback camp, they just raved about this guy, as to how how he played. You know that he was a cut above so many other people the way he played. And his parents moved from Hawaii to Alabama to be with him. I got to give him credit for that. And but that was a, I bet that was a real change. <laughs> and uh, he went out there and he played it beautifully. You can see right away he could throw the ball. And Nick Saban, somebody said, well, you know, they were trying to compare, you know, trying to back up Hurts. I said, look, you can't back up Hurts next to McSorley to me. You can't. They're not in the same category. They're not in the same category. I don't I don't care what his stats say. They aren't in the same league. Now, this, you know, and what does it tell you that Nick Saban, Nick Saban looked out there and said, this guy, we are not going to win with this guy tonight. Nick Saban said that. His own coach looked out and said, no, nah, not good enough tonight. Good enough to beat Mercer. Not good enough to win this game. So the ratings are going to be really good for that. Really good. There's no question about it. The bowl ratings were already up 12% over last year. Now, the national championship rating, by the way, is not going to be in the same category as the first year, but it's going to be up over last year. The first year went off the charts. I think maybe the novelty of it okay, could be part of it. Uh, the last couple of years, ratings have been good, but this will be one where it's going to go off the chart. And I think that, uh, you know, again, we talked yesterday about the 12% increase and in in the bowls. 12%. Everybody, oh, nobody, you know, too many bowl games, too many bowl games. As I pointed out, you know, there may be a people, you know, you have opinions on everything right now. For example, um, some of you may think at this point there are too many Star Wars movies. I mean, it's been a franchise, been out there. Star Wars did well the first two weeks, I think it was out. But it had a big decline from week one to week two, and then it started falling to two and three and four, in part because maybe people weren't going back a second time or whatever. But maybe there's some burnout. Okay. Does that mean there are too many Star Wars movies? Well, not to all the people who went to see it. They chose to go see it. Okay. So to them, there aren't too many. They couldn't wait to see the next one. Now, maybe not as many people wanted to or wanted to see a repeat of it, but that's the way you have the option of going. Uh, Are there too many Batman movies? Are there too many 
uh, NCIS or you know programs of that nature NCIS New Orleans NCIS Los Angeles whatever are there too many of those maybe unless people are you know want the option of watching it well that goes back to bowl games bowl games are there too many bowl games well it doesn't merely matter you end up telling everybody there's too much of something if people don't watch it ESPN just released this information a little while ago averaged last night 28.4 million that is up 13 percent from last year's game which was also phenomenal too and that goes hand in hand with what they released earlier in the week the national championship game was up 13 percent bowl games were up 12 percent and it didn't matter what tier they were on if it lower tier upper tier whatever bowl game ratings were up for them viewership up uh 12 percent yeah that was second best in cable history last night uh number one was the 2015 national championship game between oregon and ohio state just under 34 million all right so that is um so the argument of there's too many well yeah there are a lot of them i understand that but who said you had to watch it nobody uh, I saw the very first Star Wars movie. Okay? Saw the very first one. We went to it, and neither one of us liked it. That's, you know, again, it's just a matter of personal taste, whatever. But it, it, but we didn't like it. So we never went to any of the other ones. Because we had no interest in it. It doesn't mean it hasn't been successful off the boards <laughs> it's made a ton of money <laughs> a ton of money along the way and and they made a ton of money without us going to it because that's the choice we made not to go because a lot of other people went well who says you have to watch a bowl game nobody but I always love this this too much oh okay then don't watch viewership was with up 12% it was cold during the course of the holidays. A lot of people wanted to stay home. They had a chance to watch. I think they're probably using multiple platforms now to determine who had, you know, uh, uh, what kind of viewership you have. Because I think they're doing a much, much better job of using streaming. And yes, last night on the bus from the airport to the hotel, on my phone, I, w- I watched part of the game. I had the opportunity to, so I used it. Now, I know of him. Don't fall off your chair. Impressive. That of all, uh, that of all people, I did that. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um, I, I probably found it by accident. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> One of the players fired it up for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony Carr, could you get I, – I, I don't know. Yeah. Sure, Steve. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Really was a great football game last night. Maybe not the best officiated game. 
It was an all-Big Ten crew last night. And I think Dan Capron, by the way, usually when I, I see him out there doing a game, I usually feel like it's a pretty good hands. Turned out they really didn't have a great game last night. Um, so uh, that continues to be an issue all the way through. Um, you know, the face mask that was the penalty where it was missed on Swift in the backfield, and they really kind of botched up the block punt part. Uh, that was that was botched up, uh, but so it was not their best night. That that happens. Uh, now the college football season's over. By the way, you see, Penn State finished eighth in both polls, by the way. Both the coaches poll and the AP poll finished eighth. They everybody gave uh the uh gave UCF a big jump uh for beating what is now a four loss Auburn team. Uh they gave them a big jump. Uh that's gonna make the suit very happy. Suits all for the little guy and the little guy finishing sixth and so on and so forth. I mean I I, mean, I don't know about you. I was really, really impressed by the way they handled playing uh, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State consecutive weeks, weren't you? Yeah, sure. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry. What? They weren't on you? Uh, no. You, they weren't. Oh, so it was like it was Temple, UConn, and Memphis? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I guess I got the schedules mixed up. Yeah, they were in the meat. Uh, they were in the, the, the meat of their conference schedule at that point. Yeah, I was at yeah, Temple, UConn, and Memphis right around. That's great. But they went undefeated. That's fine. They ended up finishing sixth. That's fine. And uh, Penn hey, State they had a parade eight. for him down in Disney. More power to him. Well, there's a system for it. Look, if, one area that that. I don't blame anybody at UCF for saying for for doing what they've done, but the one area they do have to be a little careful about is as follows: there may be one final push on realignment in college sports, and if there is, they want to be a part of the party, don't you think? Orlando's a really good market. UCF has a really large university. Uh, obviously, they've done well in, in football. They've, they've brought that back. You know, they also won the Fiesta Bowl, beat Baylor a few years ago, too. I will, though, be surprised. I, I am kind of surprised that they've been throwing the words national championship around lately within the last week. I mean, they've done yeah. their branding and their bannering and their, you know, avatar, you know, you know banners on their social media pages. And I'm, okay. Undefeated well, and national championship are two different things. Right. No, I understand. Look, but I see where they're going with it. I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, do I? All right, let's let's pull this one aside for for a moment. And you know, you can play this card once in a while, but let's pull the Vegas guys into this. Which one of the teams ranked in the top ten would they be favored over? I don't think any. I don't think there's any team ranked in the top ten that they would be favored over. 
they wouldn't be favored over Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin. They would not be favored over Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma. They wouldn't be favored over any of them, right? I mean, I don't think they would be. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, something to throw out there. But they didn't lose a game. They didn't lose a game. And one of the advantages, they have a couple of advantages. They have a big disadvantage in terms of uh, name recognition, maybe in recruiting, especially in the line, things like that. Yeah, they have disadvantages. They do. But here's the advantage they have. The advantage they have is they have, when you're in that position, whether it's Houston or whether it's UCF or any team like that, the advantage they have is they have the ability to get up for one Big game. One. They play at Auburn. How many big games did Auburn have to get up for this year? They had to get up for the Georgia game. They had to get up for the Alabama game. They had to get you know they had to keep getting up for games all the time. They had to get up for the SEC championship game, which they lost, and let's face it, killed their national championship hopes when they lost that game. Well, yeah, back in the summer when you lined up Penn State's schedule and UCF schedule, when you saw the three games Penn State needed to get through in order to make it to the national championship game, obviously UCF didn't have three in a row that would cause them with a lot of concern. They haven't had three in a row like that in the history of the program. Okay? Ever. Like, never. Have not ever had to do it. Tom Deanhart of Big Ten Network asked me when they were doing the training camp tour, he pulled me aside, he said, he said, you know, what's the biggest plus of the football team? And I told him about it. He said, what's the biggest negative? I said, having to play Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State right in a row. And that was back in August. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show from Bloomington, Indiana, where the Nittany Lion basketball team plays Indiana tonight at 6.30 at Assembly Hall here in Bloomington. With that, we bring in the outstanding Ray Fittipaldo. Ray, it's great to have you on with us again. Steve, it's good to be on with you. How are you? I'm doing well. I hope you're doing well. I am. Start... I am getting ready for some playoff football. Yeah, exactly. They have to... How important was the bye week to buy time for Antonio Brown, Ray? Uh, yeah, I, Steve, I, I think it was really important. I do think last week... Uh, if the Steelers had to play on wild card weekend, uh, he would have been questionable for that game. So the fact that they got one of the top two seeds gave him that extra week's arrest. And, you know, really, he's going to have almost a month uh, between games uh, to, to rehab that injury. So um, he was out there on Monday practicing. The Steelers had an off day today, no practice. They'll reconvene tomorrow for another practice. And, um, based off of what I saw yesterday and based off of what Antonio said afterward, um, I don't think there's going to be any hiccups. Of course, they're going to monitor his progress, and you know today was probably important in terms of seeing if he had any issues. But if he didn't, I would expect him to be out there and to be close to 100% on Sunday afternoon. 
Ray, we watched the progress of Juju Smith-Schuster as the season went along. What did it mean to him having Antonio Brown on the other side to allow him to get some work done in the opposite? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about Juju, Steve, is he can play inside in the slot yeah. or you can move him outside. They just they move him all around. He's such a valuable uh, chess piece for Todd Haley. Um, if you remember that game against the Lions, I, I think it was in November, uh, he lined up in the slot and he caught a 97-yard touchdown. Um, he lines up outside and he can he can beat guys deep. I don't know if you saw that uh, yep. kickoff return against the Browns, but he yes. was running by people. And the knock on him coming out of USC, and I, I know you got to see him in, in the Rose Bowl last year, but the knock on him coming out of USC was he didn't have speed, but it, it looks to me like he's got great um, game speed, whatever he lacks and you know, pro day 40 times and all that stuff. He is just a good, really good football player. And if the Steelers did not invest a second-round draft pick in him um, last April, I don't know if they would be here today. What about the, the role of Vance McDonald down the stretch? What has he provided at the tight end spot that Ben Roethlisberger seems to be comfortable with? Yeah, they, they really like him. Um, it's interesting, Steve. I watched the Buffalo... Jacksonville wildcard game, and Nick O'Leary from uh, the Bills only had two catches for 22 yards. But if you watch that game closely, the Jaguars' corners were locking down the Bills' receivers, and O'Leary had one-on-one with the safeties and with the linebackers, and he was getting behind those safeties. And he was open a couple of times, and Tyrod Taylor um, just wasn't able to get him the ball. If, Vance, if, if Nick O'Leary can do it, Vance McDonald, who runs like a 4-4 or 4-5-40, if they can line up him up in the slot and they can get him in one-on-one matchups against linebackers or safeties, um, he could have a really big game on Sunday. He's been, uh, he's been hampered with injuries um, throughout the season. He had a knee. Um, uh, he had a, a shoulder issue as well. He really hasn't come into his own until late in the season. And just based off what I saw in that in that Jacksonville game, knowing the way they play, um, I, I know Jesse James is going to get a, a lot of snaps. He's their starter, but they really like Vance McDonald, and I, I think he could have a big game on Sunday at Hinesville. The first time the two teams play, we know what Jacksonville did. Yet, if you look at Sunday's game with Buffalo, people are like, well, they couldn't score. They played great defense. The defense scored two touchdowns against the Steelers. Uh, so I don't see any real differences between the Jacksonville team that the Steelers played the first time and then when they're about to play. What I do see is a Miami effect from last year because I thought they took Miami apart when they had a second chance. Yeah, that'll be the key. I mean, if you remember, uh, Jay Ajayi ran for 240, or excuse me, 204 yards in that regular season game, and then in the wild card game, just 33 yards. So. Uh, Leonard Fournette ran all over them back in October, um, 181 yards, 90 of which came on a long touchdown run uh, to end that game. So if they could do the same thing um, this year, they're going to have a much easier time. I mean, uh, Blake Bortles, um, he's capable. He, he can be a game manager. He could break you down with his scrambling. Um, he's a bit dangerous, but there's a big difference in – um, when you stack him up to a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who's going to sit back there and you know potentially um, uh, pick you apart. So um, if the Steelers can just shut down the run, and if they could put Bortles and 
you know, third and seven or longer situations, um, they're going to have a really good chance to win this game. They didn't do that enough in the first meeting. Uh, there were a lot of third and twos, third and threes, and even a, a quarterback um, the caliber of Blake Bortles can, can win on those downs in the NFL. So um, if Leonard Fournette isn't as big of a factor this time, I think the Steelers' chances go way, way up. When you watch uh, Bortles, Ray, what do you like, and where is he still a long way from being really good in this league? You know, that first game, he only had, I think, 95 yards passing against the Steelers, but he made the plays that were necessary. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to compare him to a guy like Trent Dilfer because he hasn't done what Trent Dilfer did yet. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with a similar defense when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. Trent Dilfer made winning plays. When they needed a big play, he was able to do it. If you look at that, that game against Buffalo, they go for it on fourth and one. They trust him to make a throw into the back of the end zone uh, to Ben Koyak, and Koyak come do- comes down with it. He might only be asked to make two or three really great throws a game, but if he can do that with that defense, they'll have a chance. Now, that being said, if the Steelers come out and they score first and they get Bortles in catch-up mode, it's not going to be a good good day for him. But if it's a close game and they're comfortable, it's within three points, six points, I think he becomes a dangerous quarterback just because of what I mentioned. And then you tack on the ability to scramble, too. He, he could potentially be a dangerous player if you don't get a lead in this game. Which brings me to the Steeler defense. Obviously, no Ryan Shazier. So let's start the, do this in two parts. How well have the Steelers adapted personnel-wise and schematically without Shazier, in your opinion? Well, it was rough in that first game when they played Baltimore. They, yeah. they were able to win that game, uh, but they gave up 38 points, and Sean Spence was really behind, which you know you would expect. He was on his couch for two months uh, after the Colts cut him, and um, they were asking a lot for him to step in after one week and play, but you know that's what happened. Gradually, he's gotten better. Um, they're never going to be the same team without Ryan Chazier. He's a pro bowler. He was trending toward all pro this year. Um, just a terrific player, both against the run and against the pass. I mean, really, I hate to say it, they're just trying to get by now with Sean Spence until they can address this in the off season. They're hoping he doesn't get exposed in these playoff games. I don't know if it's going to be a big issue um, against Jacksonville. Potentially could be, I guess, but if they get past this game and they play the Patriots again, I think you'll see them. They'll go back to L.J. Fort um, playing in passing situations. They debuted uh, a seven defensive back coverage against the Browns for a few snaps where they had no linebackers on the field. So um, they've done a bunch of different stuff without Ryan Shazier. Sean Spence has played the most snaps, but I don't necessarily think um, that he's a key part of their future. They're just hoping to to get by and hope he could be, you know, just solid um, for these remaining games here in the postseason. Then, Ray, let's take the Apollo 13 uh, quote. What parts of the space, spacecraft defensively are good? <laughs> well, you know, I they're outside linebackers. Um, the, the sack numbers aren't there. But in a game like this, Steve, um, the athleticism of T.J. Watt, who I know you're familiar with, uh, Bud Dupree out of Kentucky, that's going to come in handy against a guy like Bortles. I mean, you're, you're going to want to rush the passer and get sacks, but 
if he breaks contain, you want to be able to chase him down, and those guys are, are, are perfect to do it. Um, when you look at this team, this defense globally, really their strength right now is in their defensive line. Cam Hayward's an all-pro, um, probably deserved to get it before this year, but he was finally recognized. Um, Stefan Tude is having more of a quiet year um, after an early biceps injury, but he has a really high pedigree. And Javon Hargrave in the middle can, can cause some damage with, um, you know, with, with centers and guards when they're in their base defense, too. So the way I look at it, the secondary has sort of tailed off in the second half of the season. They were really good early on. I'm looking at that, that front seven, really that front four or five, that's probably going to carry this defense in the playoffs. I felt Sean Davis got a little bit better as time went. Not perfect, but got better. Artie Burns is the guy I look at, Ray, and I see a great athlete, but I still don't see a great player yet. Am I being fair or not? No, I think that's fair. I think uh, a lot of inconsistencies in in Artie's game right now, Steve. Um, As you mentioned, the physical tools are there. That's why he's a first-round draft pick, but he hasn't necessarily put it together with – with the uh, you know the mental approach um, to, to being uh, a really good corner in this league, um, he's bitten on some fakes. Uh, guys have beaten him deep. Uh, he cannot do that in this game. Uh, they cannot afford to give up cheap, easy, you know, big chunk plays, touchdowns to this Jacksonville team. I think the recipe against this team make them drive the field, make Blake Bortles you know drive that offense 80 yards. And uh, if they can do that, I think sooner or later they're going to make some mistakes and they're probably going to have to settle for field goals or put their punting team on the field. And a game like this that's really important for those young guys in the secondary, guys like like Artie Burns and Sean Davis, just make the plays that are in front of you, don't let anyone behind you. And if you do that, even if Ben Roethlisberger has just a, a good game, a decent game, um, I don't see how Jacksonville can, can steal one. Now, if they make big plays and if, if Roethlisberger turns the ball over a couple times, yeah, Jacksonville's going to be in the game. But this is really a game that uh, it's for the Steelers to lose. Um, and I, I think Artie Burns and Sean Davis and those guys in the secondary are going to play um, a big role in that. Ray, finally, uh, you brought up Ben Roethlisberger, so I'll finish with, with Ben. Did you see a better Ben Roethlisberger in the final month of the season compared to the first two months? Uh, yeah, I thought he was terrific, really. From yeah. the you know that Indianapolis game, he was terrible in the first half, and then he made some plays in the second half for them to to win that game. I think that was Week Nine, really. From from Week Ten on, I, I think he's been terrific. He had the, the one hiccup against New England, um, made that bad decision, and I honestly don't know if that was all his fault. Um, but really, other than that, he's played terrific. Um, in this game, though, I mean, I think they would be smart to hand the ball off to Le'Veon Bell, get that running game going, because as we saw in that first meeting, Jalen Ramsey, Barry Church, all those guys are really good players. And um, I'm not saying Ben Roethlisberger can't have a big game against them. I just don't know if they have to with the way Jacksonville plays offense. I think they could afford to grind it out, have Ben make a couple of throws, and um, I think they'll, they'll take the chances going that route. Ray, it's always a pleasure. It's always great to hear you on the other end. I enjoy reading all your great work. Thanks a lot for the time today. All right, Steve. Appreciate you having me on. Ray Fittipaldo joining us.
And uh, always great to talk with Ray. There's a lot of great work down there in Pittsburgh, Post Gazette, and so forth. And we'll come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. In 103 years, there's been many firsts at Sunbury Motors Ford. But never one like this. SMC is selling vehicles for half price. You heard right. Sunbury Motors Ford is taking up to $15,007 off their remaining 2017 vehicles. That's a savings of up to 53%. SMC is serious about moving 67 2017 cars, SUVs, and trucks. They're slashing the price on 2017 F-150s up to four. $14,500. Take a whopping eight grand off all remaining 2017 Ford Escapes. Take $7,000 off all remaining 2017 Ford Edges and Explorers. Lease a 2017 Ford C-Max Energy for only $179 a month for 24 months with zero down. That's zilch, nothing, nada. Hurry into Sunbury Motors Ford in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury to be one of 67 lucky people to save 53% on your next new vehicle. Well, since 2001, the Raiders have had nine different head coaches since John Gruden left. They brought him back today. Press conference that ended just a short period of time ago. Adam Schefter is reporting it's a 10-year, $100 million contract for John Gruden. His career record, 57-55 and 55 in the NFL. He did not have, he did not make the playoffs his last six seasons as a head coach. I'm not being critical here. I'm just stating facts. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why these things uh, happen. And he has been seen as the quarterback whisperer. He has been seen as the uh, solution to many head coaching jobs. Well, now we're going to find out. He goes in there with some pretty good people around him. You got Derek Carr. You got Cooper at wideout. I don't know how long they had Crabtree locked down for. Running game's okay. And you got Mack on defense. Decent secondary. He's got a team that should contend. And, of course, the you know remember, the Raiders were seventh. In the NFL a year ago, in points per game. This year they fell to 23rd. Well, this is his area of expertise, and let's see what he can do with them. If they can get back to being seventh in the league in scoring, it's going to make a big difference for them because the Raiders are not without talent. They're also in the division that's wide open. Denver right now is in that stagnant plateau area. Okay. And. The Chargers, I think, are a little bit better than people realize. And Kansas City is in that now-where-do-we-go mode. So the door is open for the Raiders. And he did well with the Raiders. I mean, you know, we talk about him being 57-55 and overall, two games over five hundred. He was 12 games over five hundred when he was with the Raiders part, that part. I mean, he was actually 10 games under five hundred with Tampa Bay, but he had a Super Bowl championship. So John Gruden goes back there. What they do on Monday Night Football, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do on Monday Night Football. I mean, do you bring uh, Matt Hassel back in? Do you do? I mean, I don't know. 
do you go with a three-man booth? I can't really picture them doing that, only because they're really in a cost-saving mode. Uh, or do you do everything you can to sign Peyton Manning? That was met with silence on your end, Peyton Manning. That's interesting. Well, just because of the they, fact that the, his name has been linked to some maybe general manager positions in a few cities across the league. Yeah. I heard his name linked to Cleveland about a week or two ago. Obviously, I don't know if that's going to happen. Highly doubt it. Well, I wonder if he wants to get into ownership. That sounds a lot more or less stressful than being a GM. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you'd have to have a pool of people to do it with. He doesn't have the personal finances himself to do it. I mean, Terry Pagula killed with the Bills because... He's we Terry Pagula. <laughs> we all kind of know. We all kind of know what kind of money Terry has. Uh, did, I, did I ever tell you the Terry Pagula story about uh, uh, Jack and I were with Terry at uh, the Duquesne Club, and we're standing there and we're chit chatting with him. I think Shane Conlon was a part of this as well as the four of us. And we're just chit chatting about a wide variety of things. I mean, was a little bit of politics, a little bit of sports, and whatever. And he brought, he started talking about money. And I said, hey, Terry, by the way, I said, we're talking about money. He said, you have an extra $100? He goes, huh? I said, yeah. I said, so I want to replace the ceiling tiles in the broadcast booth. <laughs> 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 because they're all warped. One time it was a Michigan game in 2008, and somebody well, he had a guest in the booth who's just, you know, one of the advertisers want to come in and, like, you know, see us work or whatever and jumped up and hit the warped mm. ceiling tile and, and it popped out and it came down and hit me on the head. <laughs> so, meanwhile, I'm trying to set Jack up to talk about whatever and I'm putting the ceiling tile back <laughs> So, so I brought this up. And Terry gives me a confused look at first and then he starts laughing. I'm like, ah. I said, I thought I'd give it a shot. Right, Jack, and Jack looks at me and says, I can't believe you did that. I said, well, what? It's not, it's not like this is an overnight development. This has been... <laughs> I said, I said, look at, I looked at Jack and said, help me help you. Right. <laughs> That's the, Terry started laughing. We all started laughing. What the heck? You know, just... Yeah. <laughs> I said, ah, I figured I'd give it a try. Let's <laughs> see what it's like. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, not everybody has that kind of money. They just don't. And because, you know, you don't, uh, you know, that's why for a guy like Manny, if he wanted to get in, it would have to be a consortium that would have to do it, just like Derek Jeter did with the Marlins. Yeah, like with Magic Johnson, too, when he joined the Dodgers. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You have yeah. to do it with a group, but you're really the face of what's going on. Yeah, and obviously Manning's a pretty smart guy. Already going doing Monday Night Football. Now, that's not without risk either. Because, you know, the contract runs out in 2021. Question is, does ESPN want to keep doing it? You're talking about $1.9 billion plus another $100 million for the playoff game, so they're paying $2 billion. Now, of the $2 billion, let's be fair, $350 million of it goes to their ability to, to get the highlight package of any game they want. So they pay to rights $350 million of that is their ability to do that. 
All right. We hope to have Brad Edwards on the show today, and we're hoping to have uh, Neil Kulong as well from Bloomington. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.